um, this message is going to be similar, I think, to the other one about communing with God. And um, I think it's important. I think you'll think so maybe after I make a few points. Yeah, we'll see. <clears throat> so Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. Bless the Lord. <clears throat> so this verse pictures Jesus standing outside the church of Laodicea and knocking at its door to be welcomed and admitted into the church. Um, he doesn't force his way in like he doesn't force his way in on us. He's polite. Bless the Lord. New people. <laughs> Bless the Lord. And so he doesn't force I can be, <laughs> bear with me, okay? So, um, yeah, he does enforce his way. <clears throat> you know, um, God is a gentleman. That's where we get our qualities and characteristics from. But the further we drift away, the less gentlemanly and, you know, hospitable and, you know, gracious we become. We start looking like the rest of the world, you know. But he's reeling us back, and we're kicking. We're like the fish just fighting to get away, but he's reeling us in, and uh, we need to let him. We need to let the Lord uh, pull us in. So um, <clears throat> Revelation 3.14 prior to that says, And the angel of the church, and to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. Now, amen, what the title means is further expressed by the following appositional phrase, the faithful and true witness. So Jesus is calling himself basically the faithful and true witness. And in the Old Testament, Amen is primarily the acknowledgement of that which is valid and binding. So if I were calling myself amen, I'd be basically saying I'm valid. You, you can trust me. I'm binding. Nothing's going to break my oath, my promise, or me. I'm forever ever-existing, all-powerful, all-knowledgeable, all-existing. Bless the Lord. So th this is what Jesus is proclaiming. He didn't bite his tongue. He would go into discussions with the Pharisees, and he would let them have it. You know, I am. <laughs> right? When he's arguing with the Pharisees, I am. They picked up stones to stone him, right? Bless the Lord. He, he didn't play, um, <clears throat> especially as much as I play. So, um, so why am I making this point? Jesus is presenting himself at the door as the one we should be bound to, okay? We should let the Lord tie us, secure us, 
enclose, encamp, encase us, any of the adjectives that are not coming to my mind, we're supposed to be bound to Christ. Bless the Lord. Okay. So, um, so be praying for me because some of these uh, things that I'm getting are not ordinary. Ask anyone. This is not my normal <laughs> um, mode. I don't believe it is. So consider, we're in the house that God made in a church right now. Without him, nothing was created. So we know all the molecular structure of this place comes from the creation. So he provided it whether we went out and bought it or not. He provided the money. He, he made all of this for us, right? So, and then, um, now he wants to come in. He doesn't just force his way. He could, but he's just not that tight, right? So, um, what we want to do is welcome him in. We're part of the real body of Christ. So we show up having communed with Christ, having had our devotional communing with Christ. We come in out of a world and wash our feet. All right, I'm not a seven-day Adventist. What I'm saying is we need to wash our feet. And you know what I mean, right? So we come in with this attitude that is we're the body that welcomes the world into a place of truth so that they also would be bound to Christ. We can't possibly welcome the world in if we don't let him in. He's knocking at the door. Bless the Lord. Okay. It's, it's not just the door of the church, the building. It's the door of our hearts, okay? The Lord is knocking at the door of our hearts. And he wants to come in. And if we let him come in, he'll sup with us. And you know what, what conversation comes from eating supper together, right? You're enjoying each other in a way that, right, you otherwise would not be, especially if the meal is good. Now, if it's somebody couldn't cook, <laughs> right, that might, that might hinder things. But we can count on Jesus that you don't really even have to cook because he can prepare a meal, the loaves and the fish. He can also bring the wine, right, out of water. He can make the communing, the meeting, not satisfactory, but everything we need. He'll make it what we didn't think we needed. We need to have regular communion with Christ. Bless the Lord. Bless God. So if he can't come in, it kind of reminds me of one of my analogies. Um, reminds me of a man in love with his wife, but she entertains other men and not even equally sharing her time with her husband. Her husband's at the door and she won't get the door. She's got other men, not another man, other men. And our minds are pretty much polluted with other men. You get it? And when Jesus is knocking at the door, he wants to come in and sup with us. 
That means we're going to have to turn from the condition of our hearts. We're going to have to turn from this besetting default attitude that's been set up in our hearts. We have to shift from it and get the door and let the Lord in because there's cleaning he wants to do. He wants to rid our minds of the pollution that we've not just stumbled into, but some of us are just walking right into it, knowing but assuming it's trivial, it's mediocre, it's not that important, it's no big deal, he doesn't mind. We'll, we'll say that in a minute, he's, he's not that specific. He doesn't pay that close to the detail. He can't really care about me doing this or me doing that. And to be honest with you, if your conscience is clear, doing this or doing that would be okay. But I think in the way that the world is going and where we're at right now, we might want to trust hearing from Jesus rather than the world and then making a judgment in and of ourselves on what we're going to partake of when it comes from this world. Now, we need some stuff from the world naturally. We need the fish and the bread, right? We, we have to live. But we're going to need <laughs> Jesus, and we're going to need him to walk us through this place. Bless the Lord. Okay, yeah, bless God. So, and let's imagine another scenario. You need to fix the electricity in your house. Your house has been dark for days, okay? Um, so, you ask your friends, you know, what do I do? Oh, I know a person that can fix it. Okay, thank you, right? Then you get a book, and it tells you how to fix it, right? And then you say, okay, I got the knowledge here, and the people are, the knowledge and the people, and both the knowledge and the people are redirecting me to this person, right? But I don't want to let him in because it'll be found out that the reason why I don't have electricity is because I was drunk and I... But I put the, the fork in the outlet, and I didn't die, but I look like heat miser now, right? So, but, but this confession, I would rather not. Let first, let's, let's know. And this is, uh, this is how people try to skate around the communing with Christ. He knows everything anyway. There's no need for me to stop doing what I'm doing. He knows, and he knows I'm sorry. Now, the Lord wants a relationship with you other than just a union. He wants communion, right? So he wants to work it out with you. <laughs> Look, I've never known anyone like the Lord, right, that I'm refusing assistance and they're still knocking. Most of us will say, well, forget you then, right? I'm going on. Right? I got it. Let, let me go. But the Lord is knocking at the door of our hearts because he wants more than just to be 
recognized in a book or spoken of by people. He wants a one-on-one -on -one relationship, building relationship, one that's growing constantly in as much as we would allow him to have this with you and with me. Bless the Lord. So um, when the Lord talks about a man and his wife being one, okay, then he talks about the father and he are one. And then he's talking about us, that he wants us to be one with each other and then one with him as he and the father are one. Believe me, there's no missed meals between him and the father. There should be none between the husband and the wife. Oneness means exactly what he's saying. Oneness. Bless God. Okay. So, <clears throat> you got the book, and you know who the person is to get the lights back on. And the book says, speak to the author. And Gina's telling me, here's his number. Call him. And I don't call. Right? I'm not trying to invite him in. Um, not right now. I got too many other things to take care of. Um, I'll read about it. And I'll ask others about it. I'll read about him. Other people will tell me about it, about him, about all of this. Um, I don't know if I want to go that far. Now, most of us might think we've gone farther than that. We might think that this whole gospel thing is about our discipline, devotions. I, I do my devotion. If, if, if I tell someone, it looks like you're slacking up in your time with God. I read my Bible every day. Okay? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, resources and people that point you to God are excellent. As long as you're going to God as you're being redirected by the resources and the people. Right? Ignoring the desire of the Lord who wants intimate, heartfelt communion with me in exchange for his people and his resources. It, it, knowing about God and hearing about him, they're good. But he wants to be with you. This might sound spooky. It's not new agey. It's, it's not. Because look, he was on the road after his resurrection. He showed up, popped in there with the disciples on at least three occasions. I don't just want you to hear that I've come back to life. I want you to see. I want to eat with you. Do you have anything here to eat? Bless the Lord. Bless God. It's, it's a little deeper than our religiosity, <laughs> right, wants to keep it. We, we want to believe we're in good shape because we're doing our devotion. And that's good. But it's not enough. <laughs> it's, just, it's not enough. We'll become just like the Pharisees. Do you know what I know? You know when you're talking to somebody and you're making a point 
and then they come right in back of you with another point. They upped you one. You get it? There's no real communing going on because they're all about the letter. And the Bible says, no, we don't live by the letter. We live by the spirit. Bless the Lord. The letter kills, and the spirit gives the life we need. We need this life with Christ. Right, man? Bless the Lord. Bless God. So um, I need it too. Look, I'm telling on myself. You just haven't heard it yet. Just give me a minute. So, you know. So now I got the answers how to get the light back on, and I pride myself in having the answers. I haven't turned this light on, but I'm ready to tell Geraldine how to turn hers on if she ever sticks her fork in her outlet. It, right? <laughs> I can't wait to share my knowledge. This is what a Christian does. We, we study to show yourself approved. Don't sit there. Okay? Definitely have an answer for the faith. <laughs> but have the Lord present in you. Really covering every area of your soul. Open up and let the Lord in. His spirit's in me. I know I can't be saved without his spirit. There's areas in our hearts that have not been saturated by his spirit. If it had happened, we'd be perfect. We're going through a sanctifying process right now. We're, being, we're becoming the holy people that God already sees are results of. The end is God's vision. He knows who you're going to be. But the stride is up to us. And it's easy. Jesus says, come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, you and learn from me, for I'm meek and lowly at heart, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying he's the light and easy path, the light and easy yoke, the light and easy, non-burdensome lover of our souls. You want to do it the hard way? Sitting in darkness with your book and your resources and the advice from others? Or do you want the lights on? Do you really want to turn the lights on? He is light. In him is no darkness at all. When he shows up, we are guaranteed light if we open the door. And if we open the door, he's going to illuminate all the dark crevices and cracks and all the, all the little hidden, all the secrets, all the stuff. That's enough to make you want to keep the door locked because you know. Look, if you don't know, you should want to know. We need the Lord. We're a mess. Bless the Lord. Bless God. Bless the Lord. Um, so, <clears throat> Jesus told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. In other words, the scriptures, they're great, but they speak of me. You don't want me 
they didn't want him. They didn't want him in the way that he presented himself because he wouldn't be under their feet. They wanted something to control, to manipulate, so they could be further exalted in front of the people. This is one of our own, and this proves that we are scholarly. Jesus wouldn't bite. You want these scriptures? You know them upside down? And here I am, the person that they're speaking of. You don't want me. Bless the Lord. You want heaven and you want paradise and you want everything, but you don't want Jesus? He wants to be with us. Bless the Lord. I'm bad for not um, giving scripture numbers. John 539, that was. Luke 24, 27 says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. The Pharisees are arguing with him about the prophets. And this is what the prophets said all the time. And you're not him. I'm him. They're talking about me. So the prophet is telling you to turn the lights on. And the scriptures you read are saying, turn the lights on. And here's how you do it. But you don't want him to turn them on. No, no, no. He's going to see more than me sticking that fork in that outlet. There's a lot more. Convinced that he knows everything, it's kind of self-conflicting. Contrary to the help we're looking for to keep him outside. With God outside, everybody else in the world has a say. They get to voice and vocalize their opinion continually while he's knocking at the door. It's not like, one, that's why I said the woman has entertaining men. She's, she's not, <laughs> she's entertaining people. All these thoughts are coming in from everywhere, the YouTube, the CNN, the MSNBC, the Netflix, the, you know, I'm doing better with some of these current programs. You know, all these thoughts and ideas and agendas are coming in. Convincing, look, the devil works, he's in the details. Convincing us that wrong is right by appealing to something your opinion agrees with. And then further impacting you. Compounding your interest in that. And causing you to really throw your hands in. I'm in this. This is what the world says. It's coming from everywhere. It's a loud voice. This is what I need to do. I need to adhere to the world's rhetoric. Bless the Lord. And God wants to come in and turn the light on and bring the revelation that the stuff you're listening to, some of it's good, some of it's bad, tree of good and evil. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, but you're not capable of discerning the good or the bad without my presence. It's not going to happen. Bless the Lord. Bless God. Bless God. 
We want to build a relationship with Jesus starting today like we've never had before. Um, when you're, um, I'm not going to be long. The, um, and, and that's not a prophecy. I just think, <laughs> I, I think I'm coming to, <laughs> I'm winding down. And so, um, but um, when you're washing dishes and then, or doing whatever it is you're doing in the house, and then um, you get this idea to listen to something. You're washing dishes, put on something God-centric, right? Put it on. You know, you can wash dishes. Me, I haven't washed the dishes in so long, I'll hear a lot because this is going to be a, a long effort. Yes, it might take days. So I'm going to put something on that will speak to me during this, this effort, right? And, um, but when I turn on, and did my typical go-to is YouTube. I turn on YouTube in the kitchen. There's Mayor Giuliani giving away $150 million to people. I don't think that's what the Spirit was telling me to put on. But that's very appetizing. This is inviting. I, I want to know what happened. I want 150 million. You know, I want to know. Yeah, right? And so what do I do? I, I, I'm, is it even a battle? No, I'll listen to this first. And the red light, the conscience is on. That conscience spoke to me, right? And I ignored him. I ignored my conscience. The spirit told me what to do. Then the conscience gave me the bam, 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 bam. Right? I ignored it. And I went ahead and looked at Mayor Giuliani. And before I could get through looking at him, Beyonce was coming up and then Nikki and whoever, all of them, flooded. I can't even wash the dishes. I'm breaking dishes. What's happening here? Okay? This is not how this was. Look, I think the dishes and, and everything would have been in order had I listened to the Holy Spirit, right? That's Christ knocking at the door of my heart. You have to admit that when you followed the Spirit's leading and you felt good in your, your conscience about your choice, you got something out of a meeting with God that you would not have gotten had you kept that door closed. Bless the Lord, we have to open the door. You're much more, look, if you want to pride yourself for doing the right thing, go ahead. Because you're going to actually give credit to God because you followed his leading. So I'm not saying get big-headed because this is what you do. But if it's what you didn't used to do and you're doing it now, let your head swell a minute. You're doing the right thing. Bless the Lord. You're doing the right thing. You're trying to follow God. You're trying to ignore the world, which is going to be hard to do. This is all we've ever fed on. Then we became Christians. That food didn't go away. It's still sitting there. What about it? It looks, it looks fresh like it was just baked. But it's really poison without God. It looks like it's just out the oven, but it's putrid unless we allow God to pick and choose 
what we're going to eat. I can say to myself, look, tell me you don't. That won't bother me. That's just going to take a minute. Tell me you don't. Okay, this, this is me. That, I don't say it in audible words. I'm not crazy yet, just talking to myself. But if we keep straying away, when they find us walking up the freeway, because it would look, we can have a Nebuchadnezzar experience, okay? Look, the Lord is not interested in all this discipline if it's not going to bring us into communion with him. I have, listen, I have had some arguments with some people, and I'm telling you, no, I do my study. And something came to mind. <sighs> Proverbs 7, 1 and 19 talks about the prostitute. And Solomon's warning, the young man don't go down her street. Then out came the woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She's unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, and on every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, and with a brazen face. Today, I have fulfilled my vows. I've done my devotions. <laughs> she did her devotions. You can't argue with a person that has done their devotions. The devotions led her to saucy up and come out and... <laughs> You get it? What is the devotion good for without the Lord? She goes on, my husband's out of town, and I put love petals all over the bed. Come on. This is what the devotions have done for her. What the Lord wants is to replace our disciplines with him. Then we take his route. And we study. It's because he wants to be Lord over our disciplines. He wants to be the Lord over our study. He wants to Lord over our lives. Who better to trust than somebody that died for you? I mean, consider that. You might say, I need to Lord over your life. That's what these gurus do. They're out there right now. I'm a, a help. Um, what do you call them? Um, a life coach. Life coach. I'm a life coach. I want to help you with your life. They all, you know what you guys need? You know, they come at you and you listen long enough, you're going to think, I need Tony Robbins and, and Oprah. This is what I need. And so... The truth be told, we don't have discernment without Christ. It doesn't just like now you're saved and now you're on the top of your game. You're on the top of your game in communion, in connection with Christ. Once you step away from the connection, you get it? It's kind of like someone was saying, um, don't take your Bible with you. you. You know that story. You don't need it. You got enough word in you. Some of you heard that. Um, and I would, I would say, um, I think you need to be connected to God in as much as it is possible to do. Now, if I'm going out to minister, 
I probably should take my Bible so that I can point to the scriptures, what the scriptures say. If you think I've had enough of God, now I can turn him off. You, you get it? Why don't you try rather than just turning him off or shutting the door or telling him, okay, it's time you can go now. You've been here long enough. Well, instead, just ask him, what should I do next? Pray. Ask him, I appreciate your company. What should I do next? You'd be surprised if he might tell you, turn on CNN. You don't, don't get the picture. Don't, don't, don't get a picture that David is up here telling you, God's going to start speaking to you. Beverly, turn on CNN. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is in communion with him, his spirit leads you. If you do turn on the TV for something, you're expecting to find something that's going to continue to feed your spirit. If you ask him, should I watch this CNN, you'd be amazed. You might be astounded to find that, no, you're connected to me. You can deal with this. Disconnected from me, you can't make this decision. You need me. Now, look, too many people are thinking that's just way too much. A bunch of disciples left Jesus when he presented these types of teachings. Okay? But again, we got two minutes here left. Except for the kids. One way or another, <laughs> we're getting out of here. We did our thing all over the planet. We helped bring this planet to the mess that it's in. You were a contributor, and you were a contributor, and you were a contributor. And me. I helped. And sometimes we still helping. And the thing that's going to prevent us from contributing to the degradation and downfall, not that the planet is not coming to an end, but the minds of the people that see the Christian people after their devotion out in the street, saucied up. It's helping to decline the morality of the place. You've added your contribution. You've invested all you could. Try constant communication with Christ. Try continual communing with Christ. We all need this, okay? I'm going to tell you, um, did I tell myself enough? Uh, probably not. But look, it's a battle. It's every man's battle. We're not exempt. If you can pull away from the world and not just go pick up your Bible and start reading so that, right? I'm, I'm saying get your Bible. Get your, um, um, get your resources, whatever, your tablet or whatever you got, right? I would say make a date night with the Lord. Date night again, okay? That was Miss B's title, for, for right? Because I'm telling her it's worth it to sit down and write a love letter to the Lord. It's worth it to dim the lights and put the fireplace on or turn on the video screen that shows your favorite scenery stuff you know you won't be able to partake of until you get to heaven. 
Let it remind you of heaven. Keep your mind on things above. Set yourself up. Get tea or whatever it is you drink. Get your slippers. Get your, your throw, your bathrobe. Well, I don't have those things. Go in a closet. Stand around the things you do have. Alone time with God is essential for a believer. You can't say you don't have time. He makes time for you. If you could drive down to 7-Eleven, you can have time with the Lord. Bless God. A um, couple more points. Uh, I'm going to mess this up here. Don't, don't let me mess it up. Okay. So, it's a suspicious idea, this date night. Nah, try it. Well, I'm already in a relationship. Okay, go ahead. At least I can trust my wife going across the room into one of the bedrooms and studying than going out on girls' night out. Okay, because that's the, world, the world's answer to your problems in, in your life. The world is going to tell you, you just need a night out with the girls. <laughs> There goes my wife out with the girls. Bye, honey. Right? You right? Okay. Or the guy's night out. I would much rather my wife goes on the other side of the room and spend some time alone with the lover of her soul. And vice versa. Bless the Lord. He's knocking at the door. He wants to come in and sup with us and us with him. Don't deny it. Then sup together with him. Bring it together, the whole family. Talk about things related to the Bible. When you're praying, pray his presence. Whenever two of them are touching agrees in the midst, don't think you're always touching and agreeing. You get it? It's like just because we're praying together doesn't necessarily mean we're in agreement. Pray that we would be in agreement and that we would both welcome his presence into our midst. Bless the Lord. Reciting scriptures is good to have them recited, but do what they're saying. They point to Christ. Bless the Lord. The scriptures speak of me. You want me or you just want scriptures? Bless the Lord.